to the fifth episode of our podcast series for advisors considering the independent space. Today's episode is called The View from the Top, an interview with breakaway broker Matt Salenza. I'm Mindy Diamond, and this is Mindy Diamond on Independence. This podcast is available on our website, diamond-consultants.com and on wealthmanagement.com as well as iTunes and other resources. I'm super excited to have as my guest today via Skype, Matt Salenza, a 20-year veteran of the wirehouse world. Matt started his career at Morgan Stanley before moving to Smith Barney, where he was one of the original members of the city family office. After 12 years with the firm, he moved to the Merrill Lynch PBIG Group, or Private Banking and Investment Group. Matt left Merrill in July of 2017 to launch Boulevard Family Wealth, a multifamily office managing approximately a billion dollars in assets for ultra-high net worth clients. In our interview, Matt shares a lot in the way of valuable information for advisors like him who desire greater freedom and flexibility in how he was able to better service clients, grow the business, and ultimately maximize its enterprise value. So let's get right into my conversation with Matt. Hi, Matt. Thank you so much for being willing to share your amazing story with us. And without further ado, I'd love to jump in and begin to hear it. So tell us a little bit about your business and your background, if you would. Oh, sure. First of all, uh, thank you for having me this morning, Mindy. Uh, I always look forward to uh, talking about my experience in the industry as a whole. So, um, you know, my story goes back uh, a short, you know, 20 years ago or so. And uh, I was very fortunate from day one to have uh, come across an opportunity while I was just kind of learning the business. And uh, the opportunity put me in a position to pretty much think quickly and garner the support of my firm at the time. I was with Morgan Stanley to react to a very high net worth internet client. And the result of this uh, kind of exercise was that I put together uh, kind of a virtual team uh, to handle you know, several of the needs for this particular client. And what we were doing at the time, you know, unbeknownst to, to me and to a lot of us, was putting together uh, the building blocks of a, a kind of a family office group. And um, I kind of stuck to that philosophy through my entire career, and that's what I'm doing now uh, in my RIA. So just for a little bit of perspective, tell us a little bit about the size of your business, the kind of clients you manage, just, just a little bit about what it looks like. Yeah, we manage uh, in and around a billion dollars um, of equity and of debt, and we handle mainly the type of client who is entrepreneurial and self-made, and that is uh, kind of interested in having somebody come in and manage their financial affairs in its entirety. And we feel that it's uh, incredibly important to uh, take an approach like that because having one person or one team focus on the entire financial plan puts us in a very unique position to understand all the moving components. When we do work with outside counsel and uh, tax advisors and such, uh, we kind of understand the story and it's more fluent for the client and very simple for them to kind of manage. Got it. Thank you. So you said something interesting. You said 
our clients are entrepreneurs. So one of the questions I want to get to is what drove you to independence? What were the major catalysts? But I have to ask a question. Do you think that the fact that your clients are entrepreneurs was a factor in driving you to become one yourself? Well, I believe that's part of it. I think that you have to have an inherent you know, desire to want to run your own business, first and foremost, because outside of your general practice, there's a whole host of other um, details and you know, responsibilities that you have as a business owner. Um, I do watch uh, how certain clients of ours have come from pretty much ground zero uh, to achieve enormous success, and that's always inspired me. And I think that there is probably a common uh, thread uh, between us uh, in terms of work ethic and desire. So, yeah, I think that that's a, that's a good part of it. So what were the other catalysts that drove you to independence? Well, I think that there's several components of this decision, and that's, ha- and that's evolved over time. You know, there once was a time where I was very comfortable working with the large brokerages and banks, and we all had a general concept and idea of where we wanted to drive this high net worth business. And um, as a result of the markets uh, kind of moving uh, in weird directions in 2008 and nine, um, you know, banks started taking a different look at how they wanted these brokerage arms to be ran. And it seemed, it just seemed to me that there was less uh, interest and less investment and concentrating on such a you know small component of their business in this ultra ultra high net worth space with family office services and a lot of the banks were talking about it and they were advertising and marketing uh, along these lines but the delivery just wasn't uh, adequate in our opinion so uh, that was really the main driving force is that we knew we couldn't rely on someone else's decision making uh, to brand ourselves the way that we we thought we needed to. So having independence really put us in that position. So Matt, that's an interesting phenomenon because I talk with a lot of advisors that say the exact opposite or worry the exact opposite of what you just mentioned. They say the notion of independence, of gaining more freedom and control is actually very appealing to me, but because I run a fill in the blank, an ultra high net worth or an institutional or an international business, I believe that independence would not be for me. So taking the example of the ultra high net worth client, I believe my ultra high net worth clients need the resources and the big name of the big banks in order to feel comfortable. And you're just said the opposite. So I'd love it if you take a minute to sort of address your, your take on that. Well, you know, it's hard for me to speak for the, the entire advisory industry and what their thought process is, but personally speaking, I feel that um, a lot of the uh, brokerage houses kind of communicate to their advisors and their prospective advisors that they do this type of business. But in theory, they continue to to fall short, in my opinion. Uh, When you're catering to an ultra high net worth individual in a family office environment, sometimes you have to go further than what you are actually being paid to do. Um, You're you're sometimes uh, helping them. you know, gather documents or put together uh, estate planning strategies. These are all things that are kind of outside of the scope of a general advisor's role. So even though they try to position themselves that they're in the business, they kind of fall short in in my personal experience. So um, I would just say to the advisors that still have that mindset, uh, if you explore the opportunities that are available 
to the independent space, um, you would be able to go step for step with any brokerage house out there and then utilize these resources to best suit your business. So how did your clients react when you told them you were setting up Boulevard Wealth Management? Well, interestingly enough, my clients kind of understood my personality. So first and foremost, I believe that they were happy for me personally that I was doing something that I wanted to do. They heard the excitement in my voice. They also heard the level of seriousness in our process of setting up and being able to offer something to compete with the um, various uh, banks and brokerage. And um, you know, strangely to me, they were more well-versed in the RIA space than I had thought. And some of them have even been called and had discussions with other competing RIAs. So they did have a general sense of what this business uh, was all about, which was a big help for us because we didn't have to re-educate. Interesting. Do you think that that's true of most high net worth clients or yours in particular? I would assume that most high net worth clients have a general understanding because in our uh, efforts to market to new uh, prospective relationships, uh, we have found that there's been a general sense of understanding um, throughout the marketplace, at least in our geographic region. So I would assume in the bigger cities, especially, but definitely in Southern California, there's a general understanding. I think as recently as a few years ago, advisors on Moss were pretty worried that the notion of leaving a big firm with a big brand would handicap them, would be unknown to clients. The Bernie Madoff thing, I think, made a lot of people feel scared. And you're saying the exact opposite. So that's pretty exciting for the industry. You know, honestly, Mindy, I feel that it's happened in a, in a short period of time. You're right that there are certain reservations. And I myself had looked at doing this, you know, probably 10 years ago, because there were some pioneers in the business, at least in my world, that went out and did this on their own at a time when it wasn't kind of moving in the direction and in the, you know, the rapid growth that we're seeing today. So I've looked at it over several years, call it a decade to, to potentially do this. And when I finally made the decision, I feel that we are in a position where we've taken advantage of a lot of the hurdles that others have crossed and that the custody agents have groomed their divisions to accommodate RIAs. So I think that the timing is obviously a little bit different today than it was, you know, three, four years ago and, and back. Yeah. My anecdotal experience in working with advisors tells me the same, that the time is right, that a lot has happened. There's, there've been pioneers that paved the way and made it better for those that are looking to do it now. So let me ask you a question, if we can back up a second. I have to assume that during that 10-year period that you were considering independence, you, at least at one point or another, might have looked at what was high-watermark deals from other wirehouse firms or transition package offerings or value propositions from other firms. So how certain were you? this time at least, that you wanted to be independent? And how did you justify the notion of giving up what was a sizable windfall in the short term in order to trade for independence? Well, uh, keep in mind your, your, your words uh, in the short term. And I'm at a point in my career where I'm not that interested in the short term any longer. I'm interested in the long term. And, you know, I had such a desire to have control of my own business and, and my own life for that matter, that it wasn't even a comparison to me. You know, as you know, these, these uh, dollar amounts that are being handed out to advisors are mere tools to keep them embedded with a firm for a lengthy period of time 
And, um, you know, at 50 years old, I don't consider a little bit of cash that I'm going to have to be beholden to a firm for nine or 10 years at this point, a comparison to the fact that I have complete freedom to build a business that I want to deliver to my clients the resources uh, that, that I think are necessary to compete and ultimately to have a business asset that is worth much more than uh, what any firm could pay me for uh, a retention or for a, a signing a loan. So, bravo. But here's the thing, there are certain realities that every advisor needs to deal with. And no matter how entrepreneurial you are, no matter how much you value freedom and control more than the short-term upside, there's still the reality of walking away from a certain amount of unvested deferred comp, perhaps it's retention money owed back to your firm, Perhaps it's worries about funding your retirement because you've got five or 10 years to go, whatever it may be. So how did any of the economic realities of the short term weigh into your decision? And or what would you say to an advisor that says, I value all the same things you do in terms of added control, but there are certain economics in the short term, economic realities in the short term I need to deal with? Well, I believe that everyone has their own reasons for either signing a deal or going independent and ha having that choice. But uh, all being equal, I believe that uh, you know a few hardworking years in the beginning will have a much greater payoff without being indebted <laughs> to anyone. And I, you know, I have to say that it's exciting to be a part of a group that's willing to take chances, very calculated chances, and walk away from what you think would be a windfall in order to achieve something much greater. And I do believe that I'm a part of a smaller percentage of people that think that way. And one of the reasons that I walked away from the bank or the brokerage is that when you're dealing with 15,000 advisors, you're already isolated based on your thought process, but yet you're being treated like all 15,000. And there's some great people at the banks and the brokerages. I don't wanna demean anyone working in that industry, but I felt that management always had to managed to the lowest common denominator and it put us in a very awkward position. So for me, the breakout was entirely based on freedom and flexibility and there was no economic decision made. I didn't do this day one to just make more money. I did it to build a business that would be worth a lot more, but to have my freedom in, in how I operate. Do you think that your age had anything to do with it, meaning being 50 as opposed to 60? Because one of the things that advisors tell us, and perhaps it's an excuse, but they'll say, boy, independence is appealing with all its long-term benefits. And if I were 10 years younger, or if I were in my 30s or my 40s, I might do it. So what would you say to those advisors? Well, you know, to hear that I'm 50 is not that uh, appealing to me right now. But if I was 40 and I was in the same position, where I had the relationships with uh, clients and uh, other professionals in the industry, it would have been an easy decision. But my age didn't play a part in this decision to move. What it did play a part in was my kind of long-term vision of where I want to exit the business and how I want to exit the business. And I think that I have uh, more than enough time to accomplish that and still live a, a comfortable life afterwards. So it would be nice to be 10 years younger, but it's not the case. I'm very healthy and, and strong. <laughs> Fair enough. That's good. So was your whole team aligned? Was there any member of the team or anyone that was sort of a dissenting vote, if you will? 
No. Interestingly enough, my team, who's been with me for quite some time now, from my chief of staff, who started out as just my sales assistant, to my analyst, and I have a partner that came in with me from the beginning. We have a head of our insurance group. I've been working with these folks for you know north of 10 years. And it's interesting that I have pretty high energy when I get here in the morning and throughout the day, and I'm pretty excited to be doing business. I actually like what I do. And I think that we've all kind of taken on a similar personality. I've learned from them. They've learned from me. I think that we are all kind of feeling the same about the business over the last couple of years. There hasn't been much excitement. There hasn't been much ingenuity in in the way that we're kind of approaching this. So we had this decision and I came up with this idea. And one of my goals was to continue to run my business while we were setting up the RIA. So I left a lot of that work outside of the office, obviously. And it put them in a really good position to just kind of hear what we were building and then come over one day and see the result of all of that. So everyone has been extremely happy. And there was some nerves, I will tell you that. But here we are six months later, and I'm seeing a reinvigorated team and smiles on their face all the way around. Yeah, we control our vacation time. We, you know, the little things that we were being told to do and that we were, you know, having to abide by, you know, this regulation and rule base of any one particular firm. We've eliminated that and we kind of run our own household now. And everybody has an equal say in the office and it's running very smoothly. That's exciting and amazing. So you chose to go the RIA route and to use Dynasty as a service provider. Tell us about that decision. Was part of the decision, did you look at the independent broker-dealer space? Did you think about going it alone, just aligning with a custodian and pulling it all together with your, by yourself? Did you look at other service providers? Why Dynasty and was it a good decision? Yeah, well, my first goal was to be completely independent. I didn't want to align with one of the larger RAAs and have what I felt was a franchise of theirs. Even though you had independence, I didn't want to have to brand myself under someone else's moniker. That was important to me. And I have a long relationship with the folks at Dynasty. We all worked at uh, Smith Barney Citigroup for several years, and there was a good part of their management team and their board was a part of that. So I had a certain comfort with what these folks were doing, as well as I had a front row seat to their business building over the last five or six or seven years now, I think they just celebrated. And Cheryl and I go way back, and he and I have had the same philosophy from day one. I mean, he and I used to drink beer down at the beach when we were both single 20 years ago and talk about how this business should be. And I never deviated from that, nor did he. So this was an obvious approach for me to use Dynasty as basically my consultancy. And they came in and they helped with everything A to Z in my transition, in my onboarding and ongoing business. And it's been an incredible relationship. It's really given me the ability to concentrate on new clients and existing clients and not have to worry about every little component of the business from technology to legal to compliance to real estate and all the way down to marketing. And they've really done a good job of being the big brother. And some people would think, well, once that's over, what do you need them for? And they're continuing to build their resource base, which is our go-to. And I'm allowed to market and brand on my own, and I can utilize their services as kind of a crutch. And that's really been a big savior for us in this transition. Great. So you mentioned a little bit ago sort of impact on clients. What are some of the specific things that you are able to do or anticipate doing that you couldn't do as an employee of a brokerage firm? And how do you expect those things to impact your clients? 
We feel that there has to be some sort of a differentiating edge in this business. You can't just sit in front of a prospect and say, well, you know, we manage money you know, in a similar way and we maybe can do it for a little bit cheaper, you know, move your assets to us. High net worth clients always look for some sort of a value prop. And one of the things that we're incredibly experienced in is what we call a state and trust architecture. One of my members of the team and the head of my insurance company, Andrew Aiello, is a non-practicing CPA with a ton of insurance and estate experience. And I myself have been involved in countless numbers of trust structures, both kind of normal and all the way to the esoteric. So when we sit with a client now, we concentrate on the planning. We concentrate on the movements of money to trust in multiple generations of different structures. And that is a conversation that really involves a client in a way that they normally wouldn't be involved. And as a result of that, you don't even have to kind of sell that part of your business. So we are really focusing on planning and estate and trust work. And a lot of that comes with the experience we have. And, and it just seems to be an engaging tool with new prospects and current clients. So that's something that was very hard for us to do at the firms, because although they knew we understood the business as a whole, the last thing they wanted was 15,000 people out there talking about, you know, dynastic structures uh, in South Dakota and you know, very sophisticated insurance strategies. So we were kind of prohibited from taking it to the level that we knew we need to go in order to compete with other high-end RIAs and estate and trust attorneys out there. Interesting. And it's especially interesting commentary because if you said that in the presence of a big firm leader, they would say, our advisors do fabulous work in the way of trust and estate planning. But what you're talking about is taking it to a level that you were just unable to do as a captive employee of a brokerage firm. So that's a great example. Thank you. So let me pivot for a second to the business itself. You mentioned long runway, excited, re-energized, able to do things for the business, for the clients, and sounds like you're in it for the long haul. But what are your longer range plans for the business in terms of succession, in terms of how being independent impacts the end game for the business and your succession plans? Well, I think we have options, and that's what I am most excited about. I don't have one end game. A couple of ideas that we've had is, you know, I have two boys, a 16-year-old is my older boy, and he has a kind of a vision on potentially being in this business. And that would be a great concept, you know, 10 years down the line for him to come in and take a bigger part. He's actually going to do a summer internship here this summer. I mean, I have another son who's you know behind him by a couple of years who would love to work in this environment with me. That would be a great option. But most likely, there's a marketplace for these assets nowadays. And when you can have a, a five or six or seven year track record of reoccurring revenues with a consistent and diversified client base doing multiple lines of business, this becomes very attractive to certain suitors out there that are looking to build an asset base. And we have seen some of these deals happen already locally and nationally. And I believe that that business is going to grow over the next decade, uh, not shrink at all. And I mean, you put out a slide on your LinkedIn just a few days ago that I still talk about of the movement of, of new net assets into recruiting of advisors, and it's overwhelmingly going to the RIA space and the regional bank space, not the brokerage houses. So we feel that as a result of this, we will be a prime target for certain suitors and acquirers of, of these type of assets. So there could be a good sale play on this you know, a decade down the road. 
And how do you think that that sale, the ultimate value you will get for this business, will compare to the notion of having retired from Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley or UBS or Wells Fargo and the retiring advisor programs that the, those firms have put in place? You know, I think that most people's concept of retirement is getting what you're going to get and moving along your golden way and kind of just uh, you know living the rest of your life out. I, I don't view it as that. I view it that the advisors and firms um, are the catalyst for revenue and they should leave in a much different position because they were responsible for all of the revenues that were driven into the firm and it just doesn't match up. Your true value of what you have done over your career does not match up to any sort of retirement that you would get from a firm. And so I feel that having your own business puts you in a position where your true value will be acknowledged. And if it's you working less and having younger team members take over or family members take over or selling the business and kind of helping manage it going forward, there's options. And that's what I like. There wasn't many options in the, the brokerage business. It seemed like they're taking more. And you see today with what's going on in the protocol world and what's going on with changes in comp, that the businesses are taking more from the advisors and which leaves them less in the long run. And I just didn't think there was a good trade-off of what you would get from them for that. Yeah. To pivot a second, you mentioned before your team and that there was some nerves or some fear. Could you tell me just what was going through your mind on the day you resigned from Merrill Lynch? How scared were you? Were you scared at all? I mean, this all sounds positive and wonderful. And I'm excited as heck for you because you are on the right track and certainly where the puck is heading. But still, it was a big leap. So how scared were you? Well, I wasn't scared at all. You know, in the process of building the business, especially our office from an aesthetic standpoint, we're right in the heart of uh, the Golden Triangle in Beverly Hills. I have an incredible view out of my office of, of the hillside and, you know, the beautiful surrounding area. And this was my dream. My dream was to build a very creative environment that was comfortable and with, a, with an atmosphere that was very welcoming to clients. And I knew that this was kind of evolving. So when we left our former firm, we kind of walked into something that I kind of envisioned for the last decade. And so it was very exciting to me. And from day one, because of our diligence and our relationship with Dynasty, we had a platform that was immediately accessible and ready to work. So from day one, we were having documents signed and accounts being transferred and conversations being had. We had marketing materials ready to go. And, you know, the first two to three weeks was just kind of moving fast and getting everything structured. And here we are six months later, and I couldn't imagine it being this fluent after six months. It feels like we've been here for six years. And I love coming to work every day. I just, you know, we come in, we grab a coffee together and everyone's starting their day. And we have constant flow of clients and other people, wholesalers and other people visiting us on a, and prospects. So it's, it's very lively. We have a lot of fun. We don't concentrate on things like dress codes and the enormous amount of continuing education that was put on us from Bank of America and different uh, parts of the day where we felt were very unproductive. We control our time now. And, uh, you know, I'm even in here on the weekends. It's so comfortable. I bring my dog in and I own this place. And that's something that no dollar can, can define. And that's what I urge people to, to understand. When you own something and you turn that key and everybody in your office has a part of that, it's a completely exhilarating feeling. So what's the one thing or a couple of things that you can tell other advisors like you? 
who find themselves feeling many of the same frustrations you felt with a big firm before you decided to break away. And the thing, what I'm talking about is the thing or things that could help them through the same decision-making process. Well, fortunately for folks that are in that position now, and I have had plenty of calls, you know, because of my PR department at Dynasty and my marketing company out of New York, um, I've had a lot of press. And as a result of that, I've had calls from people that I've known over the years and some that I haven't known just asking me that very question. And what I say to them is first and foremost, you know, if you're thinking about this, it's something that you should investigate. And there's a whole host of ways to go about understanding the general industry. And thankfully, they have somebody like Dynasty that is able to be kind of a turnkey approach to going into the business. And there's others as well. They can talk to other teams. They can talk to other larger RAs that are looking to bring in new folks to franchise and just really do your homework and understand the landscape. But obviously, it's definitely worth the time to investigate because the outcomes are enormous and it's not for everyone. So I'm not preaching that everyone should leave the banks and go into the brokerage business or into the RAA business. But it's definitely, if it's on your mind, it's worth investigating. And if it's done right, you can be sitting here as, as elated as I am at this point. Um, Matt, that's really wonderful. Thank you so, so much. I Oh yeah, you're welcome. I expect that a lot of people will find a lot of interest in what you had to say because a lot of people come from a similar background feeling a lot of what you felt. So I am particularly grateful for your time as will anyone listening to this. So thank you again and much continued success. You're very welcome and I appreciate the kind words. I think you'll agree Matt shared some extraordinary insights from his journey to independence. His genuine desire to have complete freedom to build his business and service his clients as he sees fit is the driving force behind a successful move such as this. To own something, to use his words, is the dream of many entrepreneurial folks. So if that's where your mindset is, as Matt noted, take the time now to get educated and explore. In our next episode, we'll pivot to dispelling some of the myths surrounding the independent space. We'll particularly explore ways to get from here to there and discuss real life examples of those who have made the move. Until then, as always, I encourage you to visit our website, diamond-consultants.com and click on the tools and resources link for some valuable content. And if you're not already a recipient of our weekly email, perspectives for advisors, click on the blog link to browse recent articles. You can always feel free to reach out to me directly by email or phone. I can be reached at 908-879-1002 or at mdiamond at diamond-consultants.com. Please know that all requests are handled with complete discretion and confidentiality. I thank you once again for joining me. This is Mindy Diamond on Independence.